Hey everybody, welcome to this week's installment of Digging Deeper. Uh, just want to spend a little bit of time excavating, digging down a little farther on uh, some of the concepts that were raised in the sermon this past Sunday. So the first thing I want to talk about is a specific verse that Jesus gave his disciples. You can find it in Matthew chapter 5, verse 48. And before I say it, I want to just ask you, do you really think it's possible for us to somehow be perfect in this life? I talked about that in the sermon. Uh, the verse that Jesus leaves his followers with in uh, Matthew 5.48 is this, be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. The implication seems to be that somehow we're called to be perfect in this life. In fact, if you just take it at face value, I think some people would say, well, there it is. You're called to be more than just good, more than just great, you're called to be perfect. I want you in your small group to talk about this and think about it, but I want to offer a suggestion too along the way. Um, do you think the perfection that Jesus is talking about in that verse is some kind of sinless moral perfection? That's the question that I want you to think about. Because if you look at the context around that verse, the context seems to be how Jesus is the perfect fulfillment of the Mosaic law. Jesus fulfills all of what God had asked his, the children of Israel to do and to be. And I want to suggest to you that it's very um, likely that the perfection talked about there in that verse is not f current perfection, but Jesus is calling his followers to become more and more perfect, to become more and more righteous, to live out this life they were called to so that they could become, they could move towards the end, which eventually would be consummated or brought together in their um, coming, um, in, in the coming kingdom, that they would one day be perfect. But the idea that this would be perfection in this life, I'll leave that for your groups to discuss. Perhaps some of you have come from a religious background where you've heard about this. I mean, I'll give you a quick recap of where I've come from. I came from a religious background where perfection wasn't expected but penance was required because you had to go and make atonement for the things that you did wrong. Many of us have grown up in, in cultures like the, the culture that um, uh, it surrounds us today where what's really seems to be required is that you behave well and you believe the right things. Those things, if you get them right, that's kind of the kind of perfection you're striving for. The trouble is that uh, I think in the Gospels especially, but throughout the, the New Testament, we're being called actually not just to believe things or not just to simply do things, behave well, but we're called to initiate a change from within and begin to live all of our life, even the everyday mundane moments, with a new perspective and a new way of living. And that perfection we're called to won't ever be, I don't think, achieved in this life, but it'll come as we uh, eventually, when we finally um, see Jesus return and we're caught up and, and we go to be with, with the Father in heaven. So I leave that, that's the first thought I wanna leave you with, the perfection. Discuss it as a group, see what you think, whatever you come from as a group, your background, your experiences. The second thing I wanna talk about is just one aspect uh, of the whole question of God's wrath. Um, I started to go there. It's impossible to get to everything in a sermon. And, and I think in some ways, the sermon that needed to come, could flow out of this eventually, uh, Sunday sermon, is a sermon on what are the consequences ultimately 
um, eternally for people who choose to reject God. So in the book that um, we're following along with and sort of adapting for this series, The Good and Beautiful God, at the end of the God is Holy chapter, the author touches on the whole question of hell, and really important topic. We sometimes think of hell as a very outmoded concept, outdated concept that has really very little to do with our life today. The truth is that there's an awful lot said in the New Testament about the whole, um, that whole idea and that whole area. Um, and the part I want you to think about is a, a really good question that's raised in this chapter. I'll read you a quote for a sec, and you can tell me whether or not um, you, you can relate to this. Page 125, this is what the author says, God will not violate the choices we make. People may choose to bar God from their life. Thus, the doors of hell are always locked from the inside. I want you to think about that for a second. Often, my experience again is that people think of hell as a punishment, something that's done to them for the wrong choices they've made. One of the questions that gets raised though is, I'll just ask it simply, why would people who have rejected God their whole life want to spend eternity in His presence anyway? Just think about that. Why would they want to spend eternity with God if they've made a habit their whole life of excluding Him from their life? And that's the sort of question that's being asked here is, are the doors of hell barred from the inside? In other words, are, is the way out really a question of whether or not we are going to acknowledge and accept and believe and trust and follow God, or whether we're going to say, no, I'm not interested. C.S. Lewis used to have a great way of putting this. He'd say, in the end, there are two kinds of people. There are those kinds of people that say, God, thy will be done, and God, my will be done. In other words, there's a sense that those people that have decided that they are going to ex exclude God from their life, the consequences will come naturally to them, and they're choosing a destiny of their own making. That's an interesting uh, and important distinction, I think, that the author makes because sometimes we just, um, in the Western church, have got the sense that bad people go to hell. So people do bad things and the punishment for that is they go to hell. This is a very much more of a relational concept. It's that through this life, if you've been a God seeker and you've trusted and followed God, and you, in fact, if you've accepted what He's revealed to you about Himself, especially through Jesus, then you would find that to be incredible news. And by, by um, um, serving Him and by um, submitting to His ways, then you would come to realize this is a way, the way, but that brings me life. But then the question becomes, what about those who have no interest, who reject, who don't show any desire, and who make a point of excluding God their whole life? Is it not then, in a sense, a hell of their own making, a choice of their own, if they decide that they're not going to let God even come in and be a part of their eternity? That's a question that uh, the author raises in the book. I want you to talk about that. The, the, the whole theme there is, what about the consequences of rejecting God your whole life? Isn't it natural that you're making a choice and nothing's being done to you except granting you the freedom that you so badly said you needed during your lifetime? Those are two things I want you to think about, the perfection that Jesus calls us to and 
the whole question of hell, specifically around the issue of consequences and the relationship that we have with God and eternal destiny. Big topic. One day, maybe we'll have more uh, of a sermon or a series on it, but I leave you with those to talk about in your group.